BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally a polder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And you didn't hear Connor Oaks say, and I'm Connor Oaks. That's because this is a very special episode of Too Many Lawyers. Connor is on special assignment. He's not here today. This is really different and really intriguing. If you're a fan of Too Many Lawyers, you know that Connor and I have done the show every week for over two years throughout the pandemic. Before that, if you followed our CRN television podcast, Mike Horn's Outfit in Chatsworth, California, you know that for over two years, Connor and I and Ken Jeffries of KABC Radio did a podcast every single week. So we're talking about 230 podcasts, roughly, with me and some other folks, Connor and Ken. I'm bloviating alone today. It's going to be really different and really weird. I hope you enjoy it, though. Connor will be back next week. I got a bunch of topics I want to cover. Uh, first of all, uh, why is our new Supreme Court Justice, Katanji Brown-Jackson, saying no comment about the abortion case leak and the protests at justices' houses? Seems like she ought to be weighing in on that stuff. Is it just so automatic that you say, no, no comment. I haven't really been sworn in. You know, it's not my position. Excuse me, really? Why can't you say it really sucked? It's a bad idea to leak the decision. And by the way, it's a really bad idea to protest outside the homes of justices. We'll get into that. Secondly, California's Board of Directors quota laws down over two now. Two separate laws have lost at the L.A. Superior Court level. The issue is, will the victories for the opponents of the quota laws, saying you have to have a certain number of women, you have to have a certain number of people of color, will those decisions get turned around by the California Court of Appeal or the California Supreme Court? Third, we're going to get into... You're not going to believe this. The Buffalo shooter, his family thinks he should try the COVID defense. Oh, he was isolated. He was paranoid. So, gosh, you know, give him a slap on the wrist. Is that really going to work? And finally, 
Can Netflix get away with telling its employees to pound sand? You know the deal. A lot of employees at Netflix are very unhappy about the fact that Dave Chappelle had a routine uh, in which he allegedly was homophobic and uh, transphobic. Uh, Is it okay for Netflix to respond to its employees by saying, well, if you don't like it, you know, there are a lot of other places you can work. We're going to get into all four of those topics. Before we get to that, though, a couple of human interest items from this past week. Uh, This is a personal thing, so you'll you'll forgive me for, for injecting a personal issue in the podcast, but my sister innocently destroyed a 90,000 asset, but I'm prepared to forgive her. So here's the story. Back in the 1950s, uh, Sandy Koufax, the uh, legendary Dodger uh, pitcher, uh, was a rookie in 1955. And of course, if you follow baseball cards, you know that rookie cards are really valuable. If you happen to have a Mickey Mantle 1951 card, when nobody knew he was going to become Mickey Mantle, then you have gajillions of dollars. Same deal with Sandy Koufax. So when I was a little kid in the late 50s and early 60s, I collected baseball cards. And uh, so I had a Sandy Koufax rookie card. Well, at that point, Sandy Koufax wasn't a big deal. It was before his first of four no-hitters that he threw in 1962. And so, you know, the cards are sitting around the house. My sister, uh, who was uh, six years older than I, really should have known better. She uh, got a hold of my Sandy Koufax rookie card, and she looked at it and said to herself, you know what? It would better look better if it had a serrated edge. So she got some uh, pinking shears, and she gave Sandy a serrated edge, and then she handed it back to me. Hope you enjoy it, Royal. I looked at it, and I thought to myself, I don't like this at all. I don't like pinking shears being used on my Sandy Koufax card. I'm going to get a a regular pair of shears, and I'm going to cut uh, the pinking shear result off. The the serrated edge is gone. We're going to have straight edges on Sandy. You know what? Uh, I now have a mini Sandy. It's it's sitting, resting comfortably in my garage. The mini Sandy is worth exactly zero, okay? So why am I talking about this? Because I happen to notice on the internet uh, this week that a Sandy Koufax 1995 uh, card, rookie card, is worth $89,625. I am prepared to forgive my sister for this transgression, however... Uh, baseball cards, by the way, uh, have gone up about 20% per year in the last 15 or 20 years. So maybe we should all go out and start investing in baseball cards. But maybe also I should get some credit for forgiving my sister for destroying a $90,000 asset. Second item before we get to the four big issues. Who's got the most cojones in America or at least in New Mexico? The producers of Rust, the film where Alec Baldwin accidentally shot and killed a lady and injured a a, a guy. The producers of the film Rust, get this, have decided they're gonna, gonna finish the film. Really? We have one dead person, one injured person. We've got innumerable lawsuits. We've got potentially criminal actions. And they're going to finish the damned film? Is their idea that the curiosity factor is going to make so much money that they can pay their lawyers? Uh, Could they possibly consider the alternative as just fading away in shame? No, I think they want to keep working in show business. So watch for it in your local theater or perhaps on Netflix or Amazon Prime. You can see the movie Rust uh, when they get their act together. Amazing. All right, let's get to our big topics. 
Why is the new Supreme Court Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson saying no comment about the leak and the protests at justices' houses? Well, that's what she's saying. And Andrew McCarthy, who you see on Fox and you read in National Review, is not happy about this. Uh, she was asked uh, the other day, what do you think about the idea of leaking the draft opinion? She said, well, I can't answer that. I can't answer whether that was a good thing or a bad thing. Really? Now, I get that she said in response to some tough questions by Lindsey Graham and and, uh, Ted Cruz of Texas, she was asked, you know, can you define a woman? (laughs) And, of course, they're getting at the whole idea about, well, what happens when a man is born a man and then he decides he wants to be a woman and what kind of rights are transferred? It's kind of a complex legal and biological question. And she said, I'm not a biologist. I can't really answer that. Well, she took a lot of crap for that. But, you know, I I get it. That's tough to answer. But this one Is this hard to answer? Why couldn't she simply say, of course it's a bad thing to leak a Supreme Court draft decision? Why? Is this a bad sign about her? She said, I can't answer it. And get this. She also was asked, well, what do you think about the protests outside the the personal homes of uh, Alito and Clarence Thomas and um, Amy Coney Barrett? She said, I don't have any comment. Really? No comment? Are you going to have some comments when you issue a decision that people don't like and folks have a sound truck at 3 a.m. up and down the street with her name and screaming at her and saying and sort of the same kind of threats that Chuck Schumer gave a couple of years ago when he stood on the Supreme Court steps and said, you're going to reap the whirlwind if you keep uh, making these bad decisions. Give me a break. I got to say it's a bad bad sign as to the future of Ketanji Brown Jackson on the Supreme Court. All right, topic two. Let's uh, talk about the California Board of Directors quota laws. Somebody explain this to me, please. I I just don't get it. You have private companies operating in California, corporations, okay? And they have boards of directors. That's how these companies work. So along comes the California state legislature a couple of years ago, and they say, doggone it, we love diversity. We love diversity and equity and inclusion. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to pass a law that says every single corporation in California, a public corporation, owned privately, but it sells stuff to the public. Doggone it, they have to have a quota of a certain number of women on the boards of directors and a certain number of people of color on the boards of directors. And the argument is, this is a great thing. Diversity is our strength. The statistics show that corporations are more effective and and more uh, more, uh, consumer-friendly if they uh, have a diverse board. Fine, I get it. I'm, I'm sure that's all true. Where does the legislature get the right to tell a board of directors of a private company, you have to have boards consisting of a certain number of women, a certain number of people? What's next? The CEO has to be a woman or a person of color or the executive vice president. It's absolutely crazy. Well, there's a good development here. Two developments, as a matter of fact. Two judges in the Los Angeles Superior Court in recent months have just ruled against the legality of these laws, one as to women, one as to people of color, saying essentially, you know, there was no evidence of specific discrimination against women or people of color. If that were to occur, of course, you'd have a right to sue. But to force a company to abide by a quota, I really don't get it. And so, as a result, 
the L.A. Superior Court, has struck down both of these laws. Now, before you uh, have a, a lot of joy over this, realize the California Court of Appeal and the California Supreme Court loom above the L.A. Superior Court, and they can reverse either or both of these decisions. And guess what? I hate to be a Debbie Downer here, but I would bet the house that both of these really good decisions are going to be utterly reversed. Why am I so pessimistic? Well... In the last 11 years, we've had nothing but Democrat governors in California ever since Schwarzenegger left. Some people call him a rhino, but we'll give him credit. We'll call him a Republican. Ever since then, 11 years of Democrat governors. What does that mean? Every single justice of the Court of Appeal or the California Supreme Court in the last 11 years have been appointed by Democrat governors. Do you think that these Democrat-appointed justices are going to hesitate to reverse the L.A. Superior Court decisions? I don't think so. Now, I know what some of you are saying. You're saying, oh, boy, this is a load of crap that Royal's trying to sell us. Where's Connor? Where's Connor to give us uh, the rational response, the progressive response to this troglodytic screed by Royal? Well... He's on special assignment. So it's just me this week. So he'll be able to rebut next week. Uh, When we come back, we're going to talk about, at last, a trial on the issue of whether the Obama administration tried to frame Trump on the Russia collusion allegation. Stick with us. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. Uh, Connor is on special assignment. He'll be back next week. So finally, a trial about Trump's claim that Hillary's team lied about Russia collusion. So the issue is whether a lawyer with ties to Democrats lied to the FBI in 2016 uh, when he gave the FBI information to show that there was a connection between Trump and Russian banks. So the government alleges that uh, this lawyer, Mr. Sussman, lied when he told the FBI he was not representing any particular client when he met with the FBI, the general counsel of the FBI, James Baker, not the James Baker, in September 2016. The argument is that it deprived the FBI of information that would have let it know the identities and motives of Sussman's clients. And the problem is there's a smoking gun against this poor guy Sussman, so I think he's going down. Uh, the, right before the meeting, the night before Sussman the lawyer uh, who had information about uh, Trump's connection allegedly with a Russian uh, t- bank. The night before the meeting with the general counsel of the FBI, 
The lawyer texted the general counsel saying, I'm coming on my own, not on behalf of any client or company. I just want to help the bureau. Well, that wasn't really true. This lawyer is with a firm called uh, Perkins Coy. Uh, Perkins Coy is a big Democrat firm. It was Hillary's law firm. And arguably, if the FBI had known this at that point, they would have evaluated the information differently. Now, the problem with the prosecution's case is that over time, it became real clear that, yeah, this guy was with Perkins Coy, and everybody knows they're big Democrat firms. But the fact is, he seems to have lied. So he probably will be convicted. It's really the first major test for a special prosecutor, John Dunham. But, you know, the, the it's been a real disappointment to the Trumpsters because Dunham was in a situation, uh, Durham is, is actually the prosecutor's name. He was supposed to be the savior. He was supposed, to, even before the election in 2020, to be able to show that there was a conspiracy to undermine Trump's campaign. And nothing really emerged. Trump was furious about that. But uh, he's still working on it. Uh, Trump's Attorney General William Barr appointed Durham as special counsel in October 2020, the month before the election, that allowed him to continue. Even if Biden had wanted to fire him, you can't fire a special counsel. So the trial started this past Monday. We shall see how it works. It's an eight-year potential sentence. It's kind of a bellwether for Durham, the prosecutor, because three people have been charged. This is the first case to go to trial. We'll see how it works out. Next topic, the Buffalo shooter may try the COVID defense. What a crock. The family of the Buffalo shooter, yeah, yeah, allegedly he's the shooter, but, you know, we're not in a court of law here. Uh, We can express some opinions about whether he was truly guilty. He's obviously guilty. His family says, oh my gosh, he must have had COVID. So he must have been paranoid. He must have been very isolated. Does this remind you of the Twinkie defense? You remember when uh, Dan White shot uh, the the gay supervisor in San Francisco decades ago, and his defense was, oh, I ate too many Twinkies, I ate too much junk food, uh, you know, that really deteriorated my brain and so on. Nobody bought that. Nobody is going to buy this. Why will they not buy this? This crock, it kind of reminds me of uh, Dana Carvey's church lady. You remember her, her, her signature line? Oh, how convenient. How convenient it is that the Buffalo shooter might say, oh, gosh, my mind was all mixed up because I, I had COVID and I was paranoid and isolated. Give me a break. Let's look at the facts about the planning of this horrific crime in Buffalo. First of all, the guy cased the joint months before the shooting. Back on March 8, he visited the market three times to survey the layout. Next, he picked this market because it was in a zip code populated primarily by black people. Next, he evaluated the customer traffic at the market based on the time of day so he could have the greatest number of victims. Next, he delayed the assault several times thinking about it. And finally, he visited the market one day before the attack, and then he carried it out. Does this sound like something that was just the product of a, of a disturbed, uh, paranoid mind where he was just, you know, isolated because of COVID? No, he planned it assiduously. And the likely reaction of the jury is going to be this defense will go over like a lead balloon. All right, next topic. Can Netflix tell its employees to pound sand? 
Well, this is a pretty intriguing question. Uh, You know the situation. Uh, Dave Chappelle has uh, come up with a special on Netflix, and a lot of people think he's transphobic. He comes out and he basically undermines the whole idea uh, of the trans community, of people being able to identify of a di- uh, in a different gender. And that was the, the thrust of, of his, his special. A lot of employees at Netflix said, oh, my gosh, you know, we're going to uh, w- w- this is terrible. Uh, we, we think that uh, you should reject this. You should cancel this this special by Dave Chappelle. And it went back and forth for a while. But Netflix then took kind of a strong position. They said, you know what? There are a lot of other places you could work. If you're not happy with our content here, you can leave. And now some employees are saying, oh, this is terrible. You're violating our legal rights and so on. Do they have a case? Probably not. First of all, they aren't being fired, so they can't sue for wrongful termination. They aren't being discriminated against based on their views because the company isn't doing anything to them. No demotions, no terminations, no reprimands. Now, here's an interesting theory that the Netflix employees might be able to advance. What about constructive termination? Now, constructive termination is kind of an inside baseball theory, but here's what it boils down to. If the boss says to you, hey, how are you doing today? Uh, I hope everything is fine. You're fired. Goodbye. That's a termination. But what if the boss instead says, hey, how you doing uh, today? Hope you don't mind the 103 degrees heat, but uh, we're really into hot yoga here. And if you don't like it, well, that's too bad for you. We're going to make it 103 degrees here in the office forever. And you say, are you kidding? I can't work like this. I can't live like this. That's called constructive termination. Maybe there are loud noises. Maybe they badger you all the time. Maybe they browbeat you. I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember Rod Serling's play called Patterns. It was a teleplay in 1955, and it was all about executives who would browbeat the junior executives. And he's talking about the corporate culture and the lack of humanity and so on. You can make an argument that even if the boss does not fire you and say, get out, clean out your desk, nonetheless, he has made it impossible for a reasonable person to work. And as a result... You have been constructively terminated. Another example. Let's say you aren't uh, yourself a victim of sexual harassment, but the the office is just rife with this stuff. People two or three desks down, they're constantly being harassed by creepy uh, vendors and the boss does nothing about it. Well, that could justify a constructive termination uh, case. Now, would you say that the Netflix employees who now are are horribly upset by the fact that Netflix is promoting this special by Dave Chappelle that's transphobic and therefore uh, there should be a basis uh, for constructive termination? Is that really going to fly? When we come back, I'll give you an answer and just a little tease here. It has to do with Nazis. Stick with us. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. So we're talking about whether or not the Netflix employees who are really pissed off about the fact that Netflix is doing nothing about the fact that Dave Chappelle has a transphobic special, uh, would they have some kind of legal right? And I was saying, basically, no, their case sucks. But let me give you a hypothetical situation that may make us uh, think a little differently about it. We're talking about constructive termination. It's not real wrongful termination. It's not where the boss says you're fired. Instead, the boss creates a situation where it is just impossible for a reasonable person to survive in the workplace. What if you show up at work one day and festooned around the office are swastikas? The the boss has gone nuts. He's turned into a Nazi and he's put up uh, all sorts of uh, Nazi symbols. And you go up to him and say, hey, uh, Bert, I uh, uh, couldn't help but notice all the swastikas uh, all around the office. Have you lost your freaking mind? And the boss says, well, hey, you know, I, I kind of had a uh, revelation the other night. I've turned into a Nazi. And so if you don't like it, I, I, guess, I guess you can leave and I'm not firing you. Well, wouldn't that justify you saying, hey, I've been fired. Now, the difference between just walking away and quitting and a termination, whether it's constructive or actual termination, is you can sue if you've been fired. You can get uh, emotional distress damages in some circumstances. You can get back pay in some circumstances. You can get future pay in some circumstances. So, yeah, you have to admit that if the boss totally goes off the rails and is totally nuts and, and displays swastikas everywhere, that theoretically could justify a suit for constructive termination where you're objecting to hate speech. Here, Chappelle is expressing views that some people feel are kind of equivalent to displaying swastikas. But how many people really feel that? How many people really feel that Dave Chappelle's expression of his opinion and Netflix's promotion of his special, really, does that equate with, with doing something, uh, supporting something as despicable and horrible and hateful as Nazism? I don't think so. So I think they are going to lose. You know, the the complaints about Chappelle's trans views are kind of similar to the phenomenon where the woke and the progressive left says, you know what? Some speech is so hateful, it's really the equivalent of violence. And therefore, because speech that we really, really don't like is equivalent to violence, two things are justified. Number one, We're going to censor the violent speech that somebody wants to express in our situation here, our campus or or our company. And number two, and here's the kicker, the woke folks believe that it's okay to respond with their own violence, real physical violence. Now, this is the basis on which campuses like Berkeley have shouted down and protested in violent ways, stopping any diversity of thought on campus. It's so amazing to me that people who were so focused on diversity, when it comes to diversity of thought, not so much. 
And it's not surprising because surveys show that 94% of all professors in campuses across the Fruited Plain are Democrats. Does that reflect diversity? I don't think so. So Chappelle is probably in a good situation. It's probably the, the old saying, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Everybody's talking about him, especially because the, the creep at the Hollywood Bowl uh, went up and attacked him. Some people don't like us calling him an attacker. Uh, they say that, you know, he's an alleged attacker. Okay, I'm just going to go out on a limb here because we've got the video. He's an attacker. Who knows if he'll be convicted? Who knows if he was on LSD? Who knows if somebody said, oh, I'm going to kill your family if you don't attack Dave Chappelle. So maybe he won't get uh, 20 years in prison. Bottom line, though, is that uh, you know when you're talking about free speech, it's a real slippery slope if you're going to start treating it as if it's actual physical violence. Well, we got through a lot of topics, but of course, without Connor to provide some rationality, some balance, some diversity of thought, it just wasn't like a regular episode. But I hope you'll tune in next week to Too Many Lawyers, because Connor will be back and he'll be able to explain how I got everything wrong in this episode. Have yourself a great week, and we'll see you next time on Too Many Lawyers. 